Those of you joining us for the first time, this is the last of a two-part series that we have uh, entitled, Unbreak My Heart. He restores, everybody shout, restores, restores. my soul, shout soul. soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy, shall goodness and mercy, shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everybody say amen. Amen. God, we pray today for miracles to break loose uh, both in this room and by way of video and even in the life of the one that's teaching for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Unbreak my heart. I uh, was watching, uh, I was reading uh, my Facebook post and somebody said on Facebook, uh, This sounds strangely like a Tony Braxton song from the (laughs) mid-90s. So I said it's exactly taken from a Tony Braxton song in the mid-90s. And uh, if you know anything about Tony Braxton, you know, at least uh, in her heyday, uh, she was known for writing these, uh, you know, these, um, uh, uh, as another person said, just another sad love song. So, uh, uh, the... And most of us, when we think about uh, heartbreak, my heart being broken, we think about it in romantic terms. And, uh, I, for example, I remember uh, one of her albums, I think it's maybe her second album, back in the mid-90s, uh, it, was, it really lifts up the complexity of, of this thing we call love and heartbreak. Uh, one song, uh, the, the, the primary lyrics of the song was... Uh, uh, I can't breathe again. I can't breathe without you, right? And then the very, the very next song, you just stayed, the next one that came up after that said, seven whole days and not a word from you. <laughs> seven whole nights and I'm just about through. Come on now. <laughs> Wait, one moment, I can't breathe without you. Another, come on, come on. The complexity of heartbreak. But heartbreaks come in a lot of different forms. Often it includes romantic stuff, but it is broader than that. And the life of David, who's the writer of this psalm, Psalm 23, is certainly reminiscent of that and a reminder. As I said last week, David, King David, is the writer of this psalm. And we think that he probably wrote it when he was well uh, into his older age. And... Uh, in many ways, he's reflecting back over his life, uh, not just in terms of uh, years past, but the reflection actually uh, fed into his current circumstance. And so the very first verse makes it very clear that he's talking about his life as it relates to the God and God's presence. So it begins by saying, for the Lord is my shepherd 
I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. It's David's way of saying, look, everything else I'm going to talk about from here is about my life. And it's about God being present in my life in a very transformative way. And verse 3 kind of makes it plain, uh, this notion of transformation in David's life. He says, for, for God restores my soul. Everybody say soul. And so right there, we're reminded that, that David understands himself in terms of this notion soul. I told you last week that, that, that the soul is, is the best word to explain the totality of who we are. It's the best word to explain our whole, W-H-O-L-E, our whole self. It's the best word. It's the best word. It is the innermost beings, one might would say. It is the invisible part of me that gives life and vitality to what's visible. It is that which holds me together and gives meaning to who I am. Now, if you know anything about David, it's unique that he would refer to himself in this sense about as a soul. Because David was the king of one of the most powerful nations in the world. That means that, that, that he had a job very much equivalent to the president of the United States. He's a man of great influence. And yet, David says, but more than that, I am a soul. Ask the person next to you, just pick one. And just say, uh, do you know you're a soul? Did, come on, tell, ask, ask him. What David is saying in the real sense is that, 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 that I'm more than my biology. I'm more than my, my, my body. I'm more than my, my gender. I'm, 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 I'm more than my biology. I'm more than my sociology. I'm, I'm more than my, my language and my ethnicity and my race. I'm, I'm more than my psychology. I'm, I'm more than my brain and my emotions. What, what, and, and, and I'm more than than whatever role that I play because he had enormous responsibility. He, he had the responsibility of, of, of building a great military to protect the nation of Israel. He had the responsibility of, 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 of facilitating the economy so that Israel became uh, set and ready for its golden years that came immediately after his tenure was over. When David would get up in the morning, uh, he had a full agenda where items, decisions, impacted the world and yet David was saying in this psalm that at the end of the day yes I'm all of that I'm I'm all I'm my biology I'm my sociology I'm my psychology yes I'm all of that I'm my I'm my my profession but 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 my life is really contained watch this in my spirituality I'm a soul I'm a soul he was a parent and a grandparent and a spouse, but he was a soul. That's what held everything together. That's what gives meaning, the invisible part that gives life and vitality to what's visible. And what David says as he looks back over his life, he thinks about this psalm, is that as he looks back over his life, he can see tons of time where his heart was broken. And... And for David, it's when, when you say heart, everybody say heart. 
that, that's a, in biblical terms, that's a synonym for, for, for soul, really, really. They're interchangeable. So even when we say, my heart's broken, you don't really mean the physical thing that's beating inside of you with four vows. You're talking about something deeper than that, right? And, 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 and what David says, as he looks back over his life, he sees various times where the traumas and the heartbreaks of his life actually wounded and damaged his soul. Whether it was betrayal by a, a heroic figure that he looked up to, or the untimely death and loss of a loved one or a friend, or uh, children doing unthinkable things, or even himself doing the unimaginable. David says, I see all these places where my heart was broken and my soul was traumatized and damaged and wounded, and leaving me feeling confused and lost and disconnected. And then he says, but God restores my soul. Tell somebody else who you didn't talk to a few seconds ago. Uh, and just call them because you don't know their name. Just say, somebody else. God is a soul restorer. Tell them, tell them. <laughs> Isn't that good news? That's really great news that after, I can, after I've, I've dealt with the worst trauma of my life, that, that really the big ideal of these two, this two-part series is that I can get better. That I can, I can, I can grow, G-R-O-W, grow through it. David says, if he was here, he would say, look, if, if you saw me doing my reign, you would have saw a man of great power. But often during that season, outside I was a man of great power, but in my soul I was weak. I just didn't let you know about it. He said, if you had seen me, then you would have saw uh, uh, a great leader leading tens of millions of people. But what you would have not known is that inside, at that very moment that I was leading tens of millions of people, inside in my soul, I felt lost. He said, if you had seen me, then you would have seen me as this gigantic success. So much so that, 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 that David becomes the, 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 the paradigm, if you will, for how to measure faithfulness of kings. And, 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 and the entire biblical text always looks back to David. He said, you would have, you would have concluded me, and you would have saw a great success. But I just want you to know that often at the pinnacle of my success, in my soul, I felt like a failure. Because, see, I know what was going on in my, the craziness in my family, the bad private choices that I was making, how my heart was broken. David says, I, I got very good. I got very good at projecting externally the strong, rough man that I was. But inside my soul, I was messed up. 
ask anybody. Just pick them. This time, call them anybody. <laughs> say, 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 anybody. How's your soul? How's your soul? How's your soul? So, what the question, but David says, here is the good news. God restores my soul. Somebody shout, how? Fascinating that you would ask that question. <laughs> I, I want to come back to that how in just a minute, but I want to show you something. Uh, verse 3 is, uh, well, he restores my soul. Now, let's follow the track out. Let me draw this up here. You follow the, follow the verse 3, 4, 5, watch what it does. It says, uh, there is a, he restores my soul. So he restores my soul. And then there's a path. It says, for he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. If you read it in the NIV or New Living Translation, it says, he leads me uh, down uh, right paths that honors him. So, in a sense, he says, what he's saying is that, that, that once my soul got healthy, then, then God was able to lead me down God-honoring paths. And for those of you who've been with us for a while, you know that a number of months ago I preached about the principle of the path. And it makes, it makes perfect sense here, right? That if my soul is healthy, I'll begin to make a series of decisions. And those, those decisions, uh, those series of decisions will create a path. Will direct the course of my life. And so he says, look, my soul is healthy and, and now I'm finding myself going down right paths. Everybody say right paths. Now, here's where the psalm gets confusing for me. It, it does, because he then says, Yay. <laughs> that yay disturbs me. <laughs> because it says, Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness and death. Another translation, shadow of death, can be translated shadow of darkness. Now that just messed me up. Because I'm thinking, wait a moment. If you done restored my soul and I'm on right paths, what I'm doing waking up in the dark valley? <laughs> and then wait a minute, he goes on. He gets more confusing for me. Because then he talks about he prepares a table before me. I like that. But then he messed me up. He said, in the presence of my what? So wait a moment here. I mean, I thought if you restored my soul and now I'm walking on right paths, what in the world am I doing waking up in darkness and you're going to put me at a table with my enemies? Wipe them bookers out. Come on now. I'll not have... <laughs> Okay, let's go back to last week. I told you last week about Michael Phelps. You remember? Yes. How in 2012, uh, Olympic star, he retires. 
He doesn't know, but his soul is wounded, right? And uh, confused and lost and disconnected. He does a huge slide, becomes suicidal. Uh, and then he ends up in this uh, drug rehab place uh, where, where his life is brought to rest, to stop. And there he's forced to reflect. You know, that's the first few verses. You know, it makes me to lie down, there's rest, reflection, walk along the steel, uh, peaceful waters, all that. And in that place, he figures out that's what's messing him up. Why he's coming unglued is because he's got a trauma in his soul that he's never dealt with, which was when his father left him at nine years of age. And so he has to confront that trauma in therapy, confronts that trauma. And then his friend Ray Lewis introduces him to, 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 to God in, his, in Jesus Christ through this book called Purpose Driven Life. And he discovers that God has a purpose for him which is revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And, 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 and it has nothing to do with how many gold medals that he wins. And, 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 and so I told you there was rest, there was reflection, and he reconnected with God's purpose, right? And so inside of this, he got, his soul got restored. And then, the, then after 45 days, he left the rehab, went to Rio. And Sunday night, when we got home, we watched him finish winning the last set of goals. He became the most decorated uh, Olympian in all of uh, 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 history. And, 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 so, and so here it is, he's got a restored, restored soul, and now he's on God-honoring paths, knocking it out of the park. But based on Psalms 23, keep walking, Michael, because you're going to end up in another valley. And you're going to end up at a table. I mean, at the end of the day, he's got a kid. He's a parent. He's going to end up in another valley. I'm here to tell Come on, at the end of the day. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he's got a fiance. He will, I hope he will marry at some point, right? And, 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 and life has a way of putting us in valleys. And putting us at tables where we discover that's not just our friends, but our enemies are sitting there. And so, and so, if you restore my soul today, come on now, a week from now when I wake up in another valley, I'm going to need my soul restored again. That's why you got to watch David's language. He does not say, God restored E.D. No, he's very much in the present tense. He says, what I've discovered, he says, my relationship with God is of such that I've discovered, come on now, that God restores, that, that there has to be a rhythm, there's, there's a, there's a, there, there, that, that God routinely. All right, now let me just ask this question. Why, why, why this pattern? I mean, why do I have to go through valleys and sit at tables with enemies if God is in my life? Oh, here's the answer. Because God is leading us through the real world. And the real world is a broken place. And, and the environment is, a broke, is broken. So if you live in Baton Rouge, you know the environment is broken. You know the storm comes, the flood comes. And, and, and stuff that is beyond your control happens. What? That's the stuff of the valley. All right, let me just help somebody here. I'm going to put a little parenthesis here. What David says, 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For thou art with me. Here's what he's saying. A couple things. First thing he's saying is, he has learned that in the valleys of life, there are realities in the valley that threatens your soul. There are realities in the valley that will actually pounce and traumatize and break your heart. And those realities which cast the shadow, these death-filled realities, they are real and they are beyond your control. It's the nature of the valley. All right, let me see, can I make it up straight? There are people who have gone through divorces. And you need to hear this. It's possible for you to have done everything in your human power to save your marriage and it's still in, in a divorce. If that should happen, why? Because there are some things beyond your control. It's possible, listen, for you to have been great parents and still raise kids who've lost their minds. Why? Because there are some things beyond your control. Just because your kids make bad choices doesn't mean you were bad parents. I like to just say this as a little uh, intro. Listen, if God made Adam and Eve, he was their parents, they were perfect, he put them in a perfect environment, and if he couldn't keep them from losing their mind, why you think... Why you got to be better than God? It's the nature of living in valleys. Now, oh, all right, all right, all right. Here's another point. Watch this. So, uh, uh, one of my friends told me outside that Billy Graham said that mountaintops are for viewing. Valleys, that's where the fruit grows. Watch the text. When you read, and everything is present in he maketh me, he leadeth me, he restores. Watch the pronoun. He's in relationship with God. Watch it. But when he gets in the valley, when after he's done everything he knows to do to be healthy, and he still wakes up with chemo treatments, when he gets in the valley, after he's done everything that he knows to do to make sure that he's building a, a, a good lasting marriage and the thing still falls apart. After he ends up in the valley, you know, he's done everything he can to be a really good employee and yet he still loses his job. After he ends up in the valley, he spent 50 years building a house and transforming it into a home and in a matter of hours, the flood wipes it away. When he ends up in the valley, watch this, the language changed. He goes from he to you. 
All right, what's the teaching here? Okay, let me go back to my question. How does God restore my soul? What is it? Here's the answer. My soul is restored by a God connection. Everybody shout God connection. God connection. Now, go back, read the text. You'll see it in the text. All along what David is talking about is God connection. He says, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. God maketh me. God is involved with me lying down. And the suggestion is, not only is he involved with me in lying down, but he's there with me in those green pastures. Come on, shout connection. Come on, but, but, but it doesn't stop there. He says, he leadeth me besides the still water. Where in order for him to lead me, I have to be connected to him. You see the God connection? And he says, he restores my soul. Where, it, where God is initiating. God is doing the work. God is doing it. You see, but there's a, it comes out of a place of connection. And yay, how do I manage the hospital? How do I manage the divorce courtroom? How do I manage the bankruptcy court? Well, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on now. Uh, I won't fear any evil for why I got a God connection. Thou art with me. The rod that says they comfort me. Thou, you, prepares the table before me. That connection, you see? Not as my head with all. See the connection? God connection. All right, here's the teaching. In order for my soul to be restored routinely, I have to routinely have a God connection. It's the God connection that restores the soul. All right, let me try to make it, put it where you can get it. It's my iPhone, and I love it. And this actually has nothing to do with the message. I'm just going to say it anyway. <laughs> I, I, I'm a beta user, and which means that I get to, to, to try out the next uh, software before they, well, y'all get it. So I'm all, I got iOS 10 on here right now, and I'm loving it. But iOS 9 has a little feature. Because this is a sophisticated piece of equipment. I keep it busy all the time. I mean, I'm either using it to call somebody, I'm using it to check my email, or I'm using it to see what y'all doing on Facebook, or, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm just always, in, oh, I got my GPS on, and it's sending me, you know, go over here. I rarely go anywhere without my GPS. Uh, I mean, this thing is always active, but, but it's got a battery indicator that you can turn on, and, 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 and it's got three iOS 9 didn't have, uh, 8 didn't have this, but 9 does. It's got, it's got, it's got three in it. So first, it's got a green, green, which, which means you're in good shape. Uh, 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 and then it's got yellow, and then it's got red. All right? Now, green means uh, uh, I'm fully charged. Go for it. That's what green means. <laughs> yellow means, watch it, when you see yellow, iOS 9 puts it in what we call auxiliary mode. It shuts down all the other unnecessary things and it gives you enough power just to do. But yellow means start looking for a connection. That's what yellow means. 
You know, so, so start looking. Start looking for a connection. And, and in my world, I'm just be truthful with you, I see yellow. I know it means to look for a connection. And, and so I make a mental note. I need to find a connection. But I keep working because I'm busy. I have to keep working. And then at some point, I look down, and then it's red. Red means you're running out of seconds. Do it now. And I look at red. It's usually about 2%. And I say, oh, I got 2%. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and then I'm working, I'm working. And one day I reach, and one moment I reach for the phone to turn it on. Nothing. It's out. And the only way to get the phone working well, working right, working with the vitality and the ingenuity and the innovation that it was designed to work with. Come on now. I have to connect. Uh, here's a word for y'all. Listen, some of y'all, you functioning on green. Come on now. You've got, you, you, you regularly keep a God connection at most. But some of y'all, you in yellow. You, 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 you in yellow. And there's signs that says, it's time you need a God connection. You need a God connection. And, 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 and you're thinking, uh, you know, no, 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 no. I'm, I'll get there. And some of y'all are in red. Heartbreaks, living in valleys, will do that to your soul. You need a God connection. Well, how do I get a God connection if that my soul, the restoration of my soul depends upon me getting a God connection? How do I do it? Well, let me give you three ways. Yeah, I need to develop what I'm going to call since my soul is spiritual, I need to develop some spiritual habits. If I say habits, 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 I'm going to give you three. Prayer, worship, and silence. All right, now, let's, let's talk. Here's what Eugene Peterson says. Eugene Peterson says, Prayer, worship, silence, that this is the place that when we do those things, we disrupt the preoccupation with ourselves to attend to God. So he says soul language. All right, let me draw some pictures. I'm going to talk to you about Superman and Batman. All right, this, take my word for it, is the sun. This over here is you. It's you. Tell the person next to you, that, that's me right there. Now, I went and watched, I was flying, so I got trapped. Because when you're flying, you, you, you can only see the movies that they got. So, I watched this movie called Batman versus Superman, The Rise of the Justice, something like that. And I just want to tell you, I didn't like the movie. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm an old Super Friend fan. Some of y'all may not know, but back when I was growing up, it used to be a cartoon called Super Friends. 
Superman, Batman, Robin, Aquaman, Flash, Wonder Woman. You get the idea. And they all work together. So it, it offends my sensitivities to see Batman and Superman fighting one another. Now, I'm sure there's something deep there philosophical, and I'm not arguing that. I just say, I don't like it. All right, so, so, but I did see something in there that I thought was pretty profound. Superman, Batman, they fight. Now, you know Superman's the man of steel. And when they say steel, they mean steel. So Batman realizes he's got to figure out a way to wound him. So Batman gets hold of some kryptonite, turns the kryptonite into a spear. Y'all ain't listening. And so Superman is throwing him all over the place. Batman says, I'm going to get you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And he gets close to the spear, puts the spear in Superman. Takes Superman a few moments. He's fighting before he realizes that he's been stabbed and the spear penetrated. And he is now bleeding. And he has discovered that he can be hurt. He gets rid of the spear. Come on. And then when he gets far enough from the kryptonite, he flies and gets away from the fight. Everybody say, away from the fight. And he flies out of the darkness into the sun. And then here's my favorite picture. Superman is in front of the sun like that. And, he just, uh, and the sun is beaming on him. And as the sun beams on him, uh, like a plant, he's, 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 his bleeding stops, his, his heels, his wounds healed up y'all listen to me uh, 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 and he gets stronger in other words the sun restores he, he gets a connection with the sun and he's restored all right now that's profound for a lot of different reasons number one some of y'all and David would say he was like that at some point some of y'all think you're so rough you're so tough come on now that you cannot be hurt and like Michael Phelps, you have been hurt. You just haven't discovered it yet. All right. So the first thing is that when with prayer and, and in worship and in silence, uh, uh, it's the place where, 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 where we become authentic with God. Here's my point. Listen to this. Y'all, we wear too many masks, too many faces. And we need something to face. You know, you, you know, you got your leader face. That means I'm competent on my job. Come on now. You got your, you got your parent face. That means that, you know, I'm good at solving my kids' problems. You got your spouse face. That means that I'm really, I'm, at, I'm up to the game of supporting and facilitating my spouse. But, but like David, he will tell you that although he had those faces, at the, at, there were many times in his life, that's not how his soul felt. You need a place where you can pull off those and you just come clean and you just say, God, I'm hurting. God, I'm, I'm a man. I was raised in a macho culture, but, but, but God, I'm bleeding. Because the, the, the heart of this psalm is, is that David says, it says, it says I, I, I'm in his presence. That's the sun. And so you need a place you can come clean. Everybody say, be honest. Prayer and worship is about that. All right. And then notice, how, how does this healing work? Well, here's how the healing works. See, first, 
there's light. Light is exposure. That's, that's where I expose myself to God. I'm honest with God. But this is why I say to people, we love it. We worship here. When I love people. We want to be vocal and everything when I worship. But listen, I say to our praise leader, don't make, try to make anybody worship from up front. Because for some people, you're so wounded, you're in a deep that valley so badly, that the best worship you could do was just show up here. That's all you could do. And, and, and so let me just give you a little etiquette around here. So, so for some of y'all, when we stand up to worship the scene, but if you're not there, you stay seated. Because what you need to do probably, and don't feel like you got to say anything. Just stay seated and be quiet. I know some people want to take my, my preaching license for this, but that's all right. They can have it. So I'm, I'm telling you what I've discovered, all right? You just stay seated, all right? But when you're seated, open up your heart. Listen to the words that everybody else is singing. Let those words begin to, begin to dialogue with those words as those words begin to minister to you, remind you about the power of God, about the reliability of God, about the goodness of God, about the grace of God. Come on now. And let those words begin to internalize it. And then, and then open up your feelings. Don't, 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 don't squash it. But open up your feelings and, and begin to tap into the environment, the atmosphere. And, and, and when you feel something moving in you that you can't explain, don't run out of the church. Come on now. Don't, 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 don't try to control it. Don't try to define it. Don't call it emotion and, and I'm going to dismiss it. No. Just let God do what God does. Y'all ain't listening. And just let it move. And if some tears start to come, don't dry them up. Come on. Don't hide. Come on. You don't have to hide in here. Nobody's watching you anyway come on just just let just just be who you are in the presence of God and let the tears come down you know what's happening your soul is being restored come on now and then hear the message and take it in and believe it and then go out and try to do it and your soul will be restored Shout God connection. See, because only when I'm in the agony of the valley, if I push towards God, I get to know him in ways. All right. Okay. If I say prayer. All right, let me finish it up. You're in the light. And then if you were a tree... They call it photosynthesis. Some energy is released. Sugar moves through your limbs. Starch is stored. Life moves. What do you mean? He prepares a table. He anointeth my head with oil. My cup runneth over. The anointing with oil is the outpouring of God's presence onto your life. And when God falls on you, you become conscious of things that you weren't conscious before. As a matter of fact, come into church. Don't come out of guilt. Come because you need a God connection. And then come because you need to learn how to duplicate the God connection beyond these walls. All right. Now, here's what I'm talking about. I pray. But I'm growing in my prayer life. My, I used to understand prayer as, an, as 45 minutes over here in a corner with God, just me, my Bible, my journal, and talking to God. 
praise, thanksgiving, confession. And I still do that. But most of the time, I'm talking. Because I'm oral. And sometimes I talk so much, God can't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> but I'm learning two things about prayer. Number one, I discovered that like this phone, prayer is mobile. I got to hurry up. And because of the consciousness that happens for me when I'm preparing and when I'm preaching and I'm ministering, now I discovered that, 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 that I, every now and then I, I, I'm doing dry moments. That, 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 that when I come out in the morning time, I come out of my, my, the place where I live and I have to go down these stairs and I just skip down the stairs. Now, at least two, three times out of the week, when I get to the bottom, I remember that the day will come that I won't be able to do that. But because I can do it now, that's a praise moment. Come on. And so right there, as I'm walking to my car, I say, thank you, God. I just glorify you. Thank you. Thank you for, 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 for giving me the strength and the energy and the health to be able to do this. It's wonderful. And, you know, and I get into my car, my, my, my Camaro, my, uh, 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 what is my car? I don't even know what it is. Toyota. Camry, that's what it is, and 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 and, and I got my all my little fix up in there, and and I and, and, and I hook it up, my phone pops into the thing, and all that thing pops on, and I just love it, and and I say, oh God, thank you for the resources that allows me. So many people are walking, so many people don't even have the money to get a cab; they can't even afford Uber. But look at me. Thank you for what you're doing. And I just drive. You ain't hear what I'm saying. And then when I get to the office, come on now. And everybody's coming in the office. I got all these sophisticated people working around me. I got Stanford grads and, and all these other places, all these experts and all that. And they come on in. And I'm sitting down there and I'm remembering that I used to be in special education. Come on now. And I'm supposed to be in jail. I'm supposed to be drugged out. But God has put me right here. Come on. And then I just said, whisper under my breath. Thank you, Lord. And I've discovered that in those moments, prayer becomes mobile. All right, All right. Let, me, let, me, let, me, let me explain. Uh, David ends. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Watch this. There was a woman who told her pastor for six weeks in a row, two men followed me. After a while, it was discovered that she had some mental disorder. And the pastor was trying to figure out how to help her. And so the pastor said to her on the seventh time, he said, yes, and I know their names. She said, what their names? She said, he said, one is named Goodness, and the other is named Mercy. Y'all ain't listening to me. Come on now. <laughs> you see, you see, you see, what David said he learned is that goodness and mercy is following him all the time. Even when he's in the valley, goodness and mercy is right there. Even when he's in the hospital, goodness and mercy is right there. Even in the courtyard, goodness and mercy is right there. Standing over the cemetery, goodness and mercy is still right there. The problem is, I just don't see it. I am so crippled by the blindness of my pain. But when God begins to bless me, come on now, and I learn how to connect, I begin to look around and I see his goodness and I see his mercy. Come on now. And when I fall, I'm in his goodness or I'm in his mercy. (laughs) 
And then there's silence. Everybody say silence. Silence. I told them at the conference the other day that I'm, I'm trying to grow here. I'm trying to learn how to, how to go before God. And for about 10 minutes, just get in a place and shut up. No music. No asking for nothing. Not even praising. I'm just hush. Because there's something about being quiet in the presence. And then I'm discovering that he'll start dropping thoughts in my mind that tends to my soul. Thoughts like, I'm with you, you're going to be all right. Thoughts like, I'm already ahead of you, trust me. You, you see, at the end of the day, the human soul has three questions. One, am I loved? Two, am I seen? Three, who can I trust? And David says he's learned that God loves him, God sees him, and even in the valley, he can trust him. And so he says, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. And somebody ought to say, Amen. give God a hand praise. Let the praise team come. You've got a connection card. If you're watching my video, you don't have a connection card, but you ought to think about this. What's your next step? For some it is, I'm going to trust Jesus and say yes to him as Lord and Savior. For somebody else, it's, uh, you know, I'm going to be, I need to be baptized and you find it. I need to take that step. For somebody else, I need to join a small group. I need to, once I get my God connection, I got to get my people connection. But here's a challenge that I want to challenge all of you. And you should check those boxes off and turn it in so we can follow up with you. But here's a real challenge. I want, to, I want to challenge you to practice something this week. It doesn't really matter who you are. See, this message is not for super Christians, super spiritual, Bible quoting. This might be the first time you've ever been to church ever in your life. But you're a soul. And because you're a soul, you've got to, you have spiritual needs that you can't eat your way out of, can't sex your way out of, can't work your way out of. You need God. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to practice a God connection. Pick one of the three that I've talked about. Prayer. And don't try to do it for a long time. Just do, say, 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to do it 10, 15 minutes. Maybe 10, maybe five minutes. For some of you, each day I'm going to do five minutes. You know, or maybe just be honest with God. Thank Him for something. Or maybe it's worship. Just say, you know what? For the next three weeks, I'm just going to come to worship. Not out of guilt. Not because my friend, because I, you know, I hope to get her to go out with me. No. I, I, I need a God connection. And, and I, I think I can, that something happens when people God get together. Or, or, or maybe it is just as you're moving, you're going you're to look for moments to see goodness and mercy. And when you see goodness and mercy in your life, you're going to acknowledge it. And so if you will do that, all I want you to write is say, I will practice a God connection. I want you to be, don't leave here with that card. Turn it in as your commitment. And let's see what God's going to do. Shout amen.